Good morning, Hope Church. How are we doing today? Good, good. So good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, I hope you all had a good week. I say y'all because I live out south now here in the country. Um, but did you guys celebrate on Tuesday? Big, big doings on Tuesday? Everybody know what Tuesday was? No? Nobody knows? Anybody? National Coffee Day? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, for me, every day is a National Coffee Day, but that's just me. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. But I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning, excited to share from God's Word. It's always a privilege. And I'm excited because this is week two of our Made for Mission series. And friends, it is my prayer that God would use this series to launch Hope Church into a new season of mission. You know, we've been hindered by this COVID thing over the past couple of years, but I think we're starting to get beyond all of that, and we're getting towards a point where we can start moving forward again, start moving toward our vision, what we want to realize, what we want to see, and everyone knows what our vision is, right? I got one uh uh-huh, but our vision, our vision of seeing lives changed because Hope Church cares. We want to see lives changed because of who we are and what we're doing here in Lowell and the surrounding area. That's what we live for. Now last week we came to understand that we are called. And we are all called to mission. If you were with us last week, you remember that Jesus called his disciples, right? Andrew, Peter, James, John, and Matthew, right? The sinner. But Jesus called them, and he called them all the same way. And it's the same way that he calls us today. Two simple words, right? Follow me. So we know that we're called. We know that we are called to mission. Today we want to start to tackle this question of what is my mission? Now, we can kind of deduce from our previous discussions that our mission may be... uh, Does anybody want to take a shot at this? Anybody? Our mission, you could say it's to follow Jesus, right? That's what he calls us to. He says, follow me. But you know, that may be just a little bit too simplistic. Because when you stop to think about it, how exactly do we follow Jesus? I remember a couple of years ago when we were looking for a home out here in northwest Indiana, we went from house to house to house to house. We didn't know where we were going. But our realtor, he said, just follow me. So we followed him from house to house to house. But it can't work that way for following Jesus, right? It's not like he's in the car in front of us and we just follow him as he turns down different streets. It's just not that easy. So where, where do we turn to find the answer? Absolutely. The Word of God, this, this book that we have, this Bible, we know that it is the inspired Word from the God of the cosmos. It is our instruction manual for life. You got questions? 
That's where you're going to find the answers. And what we're going to discover is that Jesus has some instruction for us today. He will show us what our mission is. And He will show us what it means to follow Him. And He will teach us that we are not to let the distractions of the world take our focus away from our mission. So we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. So if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, we're going to kind of move around a little bit within Luke. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. But we're going to look at Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look to answer this question, what's my mission? Or we could kind of reframe it to say, how exactly do I follow Jesus? And following Jesus is important, right? Depending on the translation, we count somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 times Jesus says, follow me. Now, it's important to look at context for any given passage. So we're going to look at the context to Luke chapter 9. Because that's going to give us some insight into what's happening at the time. It's also going to give us some better understanding of what Jesus is saying and why he's saying it. So at this point, Luke chapter 9, Jesus is well into his earthly ministry. As a matter of fact, he's almost to the end. So the disciples, they've been following Jesus now for two and a half, almost three years. And they've seen a lot, right? They've seen a lot of miracles, a lot of healing, right? They've seen him uh, calm a raging storm. They've seen him feed thousands with just a couple of loaves and a few fish. Many, many miracles that, that people, including the disciples, were just amazed at. And then we see that Luke describes a very interesting interaction, and this is what prompts Jesus to teach on this subject. See, what happens is Jesus asks them who they say he is. He asks the disciples who they say he is. And remember, they've seen a lot to this point, right? A lot of miracles. And of course, Peter, you know, he's, he's the impetuous one. He always jumps in, right? And he speaks for the whole, the whole group and he says, you are the Christ. So you kind of get in your mind that the disciples are sort of getting it, right? They're sort of beginning to understand who Jesus is. And then verses 21 to 22 of Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells them some really, really disturbing things about the future. He tells them that, that, these, that these leaders of the church, these Pharisees and these other guys that he's been bumping heads with all along, not only are they going to reject him, but they are going to kill him. And he says these things must happen. And that word must speaks to the necessity of God's plan for redemption being fulfilled in Jesus' death. This is not merely a suggestion or an idea or a prediction. This was the fulfillment of what was planned before the world began. The plan for our salvation. Jesus must suffer these things. He must be killed. 
and, of course, rise from the dead on the third day. And what Jesus is doing here, he's really, he's revealing the true nature of his mission. This is his mission. And this had to have an effect on the disciples. This had to be a really confusing, really difficult time for them. Remember, this is the second time that Jesus had predicted his death. And they got to be thinking, you know, okay, my, our, our spiritual leader must die? This just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then Jesus says, okay, now I'm going to teach you something. Now I'm going to talk about your mission. And he does that in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says this, he says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So, what Jesus is doing here is he's clearing up any misconceptions about what it means to follow him. He gathers a crowd, right? His disciples are there, and he calls some other people to him, and he says, look, here is the bottom line. If you want to be my disciple, and being a disciple means that you follow after Jesus, if you want to follow me, if you want to be on mission for me, here's how you do it. And it's really interesting that there are translations that have a redundancy built into that verse, and the redundancy is there on purpose. Many of them start with, if anyone desires to follow me, and then ends with, follow me. So there's a redundancy there. And the fact that let him follow me doesn't inform us how to follow. It tells us that the key to following is found in between those two phrases. And in between those two phrases is where Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross. But what does that mean? What does that mean when Jesus says that we should deny ourselves and take up our cross? Well, we really want to address these two concepts together because Jesus has linked them. These two ideas kind of express the same thing. And back in the day, when Jesus is saying this to the disciples and these people standing there, they knew what this meant. They knew what taking up your cross meant. Because the cross was the Roman symbol of death. It was, it, was, it was about shame. It was a symbol of suffering. So when Jesus says the way to follow him is to take up our cross, what he's saying is that we should be willing. We should be willing without fear and without complaining to be shamed. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week. When we are on mission with Jesus... How we react to persecution and shame, it changes, right? We don't care anymore. We don't care what people think. We don't care what people say about us. We're now willing to suffer and die to self. It's really what it means, is to die to self 
and give all our devotion to him. It means to treasure Jesus above everything, above honor, above position, above money, above status, above things. We are to treasure Jesus above life itself. Jesus is first. And when we couple denying oneself with taking up one's cross, it helps us to understand how we're to achieve this really difficult task. See, something must happen within us in order for us to be willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And we talked about this in our series on Colossians. Paul made it very clear in that letter that the catalyst for change, the only thing that is going to change us is Christ. Remember, he told us when we receive Christ... When we come to a saving knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the old self is gone, right? The old self dies. And you are a new creation in Christ. And that new creation is willing to pick up their cross, to deny themselves, and follow after Jesus. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth, right? He denied himself. He humbled himself. He became like us. And he was obedient. Even to death on a cross. He took up his cross. He denied himself. And he gave his life that we might live. And he calls us to follow his lead. We are to follow in his footsteps. See, Jesus makes it clear here. The mission of those who follow him is the same mission that he had. It's the same mission. Our job, our mission is to continue the work that Jesus began. We pick up where he left off. We're called by Jesus to deny ourselves and lay down our lives daily, Daily, every single day. And we do this for the sake of others being saved. I want you to notice that what Jesus doesn't say is, you know, if you want to follow me, come to church once a week for an hour on Sunday and then live your life the rest of the week the way you want to. No, that's not what Jesus says. This isn't just a once a week event. This is a new way of living daily. This is the mission of our lives on a daily basis from now until Jesus returns or he calls us home, whichever comes first. And, and make no mistake, this mission is much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than us as individuals. It's much bigger than our church. It's much bigger than our denomination. It's the church universal. It is a worldwide movement started by Jesus. And our mission is to continue the work that he began. So Jesus is our example to follow. And you're thinking, whoa, hold on a second. 
you know, can you think of bigger shoes to fill? This is Jesus we're talking about here, right? This doesn't sound easy. And if we're honest, it really isn't easy. But there's joy in the journey. And we're going to keep going here because Jesus has more to teach us. A little later in Luke chapter 9, now we're going to look at verse 51. Luke writes this, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Jesus is kind of showing us what it means to be on mission for the gospel. Jesus was on a mission, and he knew what his mission was. And he knew what it meant. Yet he resolutely set out for Jerusalem, knowing that he was marching to his death. Some translations say he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. See, Jesus was on a mission, and he was laser-focused, laser-focused on completing that mission. He courageously, right? He courageously stepped out knowing what lie ahead. Now, could he have backed out? Could he have opted for the comfortable life, right? You know, avoid all this agony and all this stuff that he's going to go through. Avoid the death. Could he have done that? He could have. But he knew that that was not his mission. His mission was to go to Jerusalem and give his life that we might live. So it really brings us kind of back around to the question, how do we react to the call to follow him? You know, do we like Jesus resolutely and courageously step out in faith? Focus on the mission? Or are we tempted to take the easy way out? Dodge all the persecution and, and all the stuff that comes along with being associated with Jesus. Well, in verses 57 to 62 of Luke chapter 9, Jesus has something to say about that. In those verses we read this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So what we see here is Jesus, he's being brutally honest, right? He's being brutally honest about the cost of following him. There's a cost associated with following Jesus. 
And in these three brief interactions, we see some of the competition that we face. Kind of the easy way out, if you will. First man says, I'll follow you anywhere. Now, it's likely this guy, you know, witnessed some of the miracles that Jesus performed. Probably saw the popularity that Jesus in, uh, in, enjoyed with his healings and things like that. And the guy said, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? I could get used to that. I could maybe even use that to my advantage. But Jesus reminds the man that the path of following him is not easy. And it's not comfortable. And it's not filled with the riches and the comforts of life. Because ultimately, this earth is not Jesus' home. Nor is it home for anyone who follows after Jesus. Friends, we are transients here. We're just visitors. Our home, our eternal home, is in heaven. The second man, I think it's very interesting that the second man, Jesus actually calls, right? Just like he called the disciples, just like he calls us. He says, follow me. But this guy says, first, let me go bury my father. You know, which on the surface actually sounds kind of honorable, right? But we don't even know if his father's dead yet. He didn't, he didn't say, let me go and dig a grave for my father. It's actually more likely that his father was old and that he wanted to stay with him until he died. Which again sounds pretty honorable, right? But Jesus presses the man to follow now. Clearly, Jesus is stating the principle that family obligations, really friends, or any obligations at all cannot be put ahead of Jesus. Jesus is the priority in our lives. He's number one. He comes first. And the last man, the last man says something similar to the second. He says, I'll follow, but, but, first let me say goodbye to my family. So this, this man actually puts a condition on his following, almost like giving Jesus an ultimatum, if you will. You know, I'll follow, but implying that if you don't let me do this, then I don't know if I'm going to follow. I don't know. And that word, but, impacts everything that was said before that. And this word, but, it's a word that, that, that we use a lot, right? We use it a lot. I meant to do that, but. I love you, but. I forgive you, but. I would go to church, but. I'm all in, but. I will follow, but. But what? But what? But it's too hard? But I have to give up too much? But the cost is too high. 
And what Jesus is saying in his reply, he's saying, look forward. Look forward. Look forward to the mission that I've called you to. Look forward to it as a reward. Don't look back. Don't look back at what you think you're giving up because all of that, friends, is rubbish compared to Christ. Remain laser-focused on your mission. Set your face resolutely, just like Jesus did. Last question I'm going to answer for you today is why? Actually, Jesus is going to answer it for us. But why? Why be so committed? Why is this so important? Why are we so serious about this? Well, Jesus tells us a bit earlier in Luke chapter 9. We looked at verse 23 where Jesus told, it what, told us what it means to follow him. Now in 24 to 26, he tells us why. There he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Talking about their soul. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. As we're, as we're kind of pulling this together, let's just, let's just understand a couple of things out of these few verses here. First, it is impossible to find life without following Jesus. Friends, you will never live, I mean Truly live until you walk down death row with Jesus. You can't gain the resurrection life that Jesus promises without first dying to self. It's the only way you live. Second, there's no good that comes from gaining the whole world. You know, avoiding the call to Jesus, to follow Jesus, right? Avoiding the denying of self, avoiding taking up your cross, avoiding being on mission for Jesus. Yeah, that may mean that you gain the whole world, but you lose everything. You lose everything because you lose your soul. There's no profit in owning the world because that can't save your soul. It's that simple. There's nothing in this world that can save your soul from being eternally lost. Nothing. Lastly, verse 26 tells us why nothing can buy back the lost soul. Because if you're ashamed, if you're ashamed of Jesus in this world, he will be ashamed of you in front of his Father on Judgment Day. Remember, when we are on mission for him, we will be in willing to endure the shame. We will be willing to endure the ridicule, the persecution of being associated with Jesus. And is there shame that we have to, that we have to endure? Yeah, you know what? There is. It's a reality in this world. 
Christians everywhere. And friends, make no mistake, it is happening in this country as well, but we are becoming more and more vilified, more and more marginalized, more and more persecuted, more and more shamed. And if you do not believe me, Open your eyes, friends. Look around. Look at what is happening, not only in this world, but look at what is happening in this country. Absolute truth, biblical truth, pushed to the side. No regard for what is true. That's where this culture has taken us. And, and mark my words, they're coming after us. They're coming after the church. It's true. We must endure that shame for the sake of our souls because we know that we can give nothing in exchange for our souls. Friends, only the shed blood of Jesus Christ can do that. That's why we take this call to mission so seriously. So that's our mission, to follow Jesus and to continue the work that he began. You know, how we live that practically. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, so you're going to have to come back. And it's going to look different for everyone. It really is. But this morning I want us to all take a moment and, and consider what it is that may be keeping you from your mission. What it is that may be keeping you from following him? Is there something that you're just not willing to let go of? Some part of your life? Some comfort? Some misplaced priority? Some relationship? What is it that you may be putting first ahead of Jesus? Some but. I'll follow, but. See, the question is, are we willing to humble ourselves and lay down our comforts, lay down our other commitments that compete for our time, our treasures, and our talents? Will we give those up to resolutely follow Jesus? Friends, I pray that we would all be able to say, yes, no matter where this takes me, I will follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you so much for all the blessings that you pour out, for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, the shed blood. Thank you, Lord. And we just pray for the strength and the wisdom to endure the shame that no doubt is coming, that we would stand strong for the gospel. I pray that that Hope Church would be a place that, that is known as, as standing up for the truth, the truth of the gospel, no matter what. And no matter what, Lord, that we would follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.